This is the Cruise Control Podcast with me, Randy Cruz. You can follow me on Twitter at R-A-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z, also at Cruise Control Pod. You can download and subscribe to the podcast on both iTunes and SoundCloud.com. This is Billy Corbett, director of Cocaine Cowboys and the 30 for 30s, The You and Broke. And there's nothing we love in Miami more than driving cruise control with no hands, steering with our knee, and not using turn signals, which is kind of what it's like listening to the Cruise Control Podcast with my man, Randy Cruz. And we're now on the Cruise Control Podcast here on SoundCloud and iTunes, uh, January 18th, 2016. Uh, we're talking New York Knicks basketball, NBA basketball with a good friend of mine, Sean Aquino, who's on Twitter at S-A-Q-U-I-N-O-34. He is the co-host of the Knicks at Night podcast, which you can hear and download on iTunes. Sean, what's up, my man? How you doing? What's up, Randy? Thanks for having me on, man. How are you? No problem, man. Doing good. Uh, Happy New Year to you and uh, the family and your Knicks at Night podcast family, man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. The same to you guys and, and the family. Your brother, it was great to meet you guys a couple of years ago. Last time I was in NYC, so I'm wishing you guys all the best for sure. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And uh, I know you're a big-time Knicks fan. Like I said, you do the the Knicks at Night podcast. Before we get into the, the, the Knicks and what they're currently doing, just want to get some history on the podcast that you do, how long you've been doing it, and, uh, you know, things like that. Yeah, oh, thanks. Uh, we've been doing the show for about three about three years now. Mm. Um, uh, so it's, it's pretty much a, a group of guys, you know, Frank Nutt, Tom Baffa, uh, Greg Armstrong, Peter Turi. We all kind of came together. Um, we had some offshoot websites, uh, the website com that Pete founded and started a couple of years ago, and uh, he was looking to get a podcast started. So Frank and Tom and I started, you know, kind of working on that with him. And then uh, last year, last couple of seasons, we've been going to Vegas, and I met um, Greg Armstrong, who's a, I think he's about 23-year-old season ticket holder from New York. He's a big-time fan. Uh-huh. And we met out there, and we clicked, and we spent the weekend together watching Porzingis this last summer and, and the summer before that. So from there, we said, you know what, Greg, why don't you just come on and join us on the show and kind of call ourselves um, – the four horsemen, even though we have five guys now. Anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, since then it's kind of been, it's really cool because we all have diverse views and opinions, and we give it, and at the same time, you know, some of us are overly positive. I think some will consider me overly positive, and um, some others are a little bit more even-keeled. And so it really, you know, I think we we, we really represent a lot of the Knicks, um, the voice of the fan, you know what I mean? And and so, so far, you know, we've been, we've been doing a couple of shows a month, uh, whenever our schedule allows us to do so. We've had some pretty cool guests. You know, Chris Herring's been on, um, Ian Begley. We had uh, Ron Artest joined the team. We had his brother, Daniel, who joined the show. He gave us an interesting perspective. So, yeah, we've had a lot of pretty cool guests, and, um, you know, we occasionally have um, fans that are able to call in. So it's been really, really fun. And me living out here in L.A., it's just been a great opportunity for me to to uh, to, to really expand on my fandom and, and get to share you know, my love of the Knicks with other people around around the country. So it's been really, really cool. Well, one, uh, you know, big ups and, can, you know, congrats to you and the whole Knicks at Night podcast family for what, for what you've been doing and been able to do for the past few years. Um, I know sometimes it's not, being, it's not easy being a Knicks fan, 
Uh, you yeah. know, it's it's crazy. A lot of ups and downs. But um, I've heard your your show before. I've been on your show before. It's great. Um, even the time when we did the show live at a uh, Clyde Frazier's restaurant downtown a, f- uh, a few years ago, and uh, right. I-, I always appreciated you uh, having me on and-, and things like that. And the Knicks have changed from that day until now. Um, right. I just want to get your perspective of just you, yeah. uh, you as a fan. Um, that was like two years ago, and we fast forward yeah. to now. How has your perspective on the team, the coaching, the front office, everything, um, how is it right now? Well, I think it's been a a pretty significant change in terms of the team really having an ideal and um, I think Phil Jackson really trying to build a culture, which really is the difference. I mean, back in the day, yeah, the Knicks won 54 wins, and I would say that that was primarily due to Carmelo playing before and the veteran leadership that that team had, you know. With Amari going down, uh, Woodson was forced to play Carmelo, and he had, you know, third in MVP voting that year, that type of season. So that, technically, to me, wasn't something that could continuously, you know, the Knicks couldn't really be that successful moving forward. I thought the veteran leadership meant a lot. So in a way, it was a successful season, but I wasn't sure the Knicks were going to be able to duplicate that. Um, and then when the next season came in, that's when we really got to see that it was not – something the Knicks were going to stick to. They were not going to stick to Carmelo at the four. They were not going to look to get an upgraded point guard for Raymond Felton. Um, and really, in training camp, after a 34-win season, on the eve of training camp, when they fired Glenn Grunwald, or he resigned or whatever, that's, again, that kind of notion that the Knicks are run by James Dolan and the Knicks are run by someone that doesn't necessarily have a plan. And so that's, you know, been, I think, the Knicks since the year 2000, and now what you have with Phil Jackson in tow um, is you have a, a long-term view. You have, you know what, we're going to not trade away our first-round draft picks for a quick fix. We're going to develop players. We're going to have high-character, high-IQ players like the Lance Thomas and the Lamontsons and the Lance Galloways right. and develop them into becoming system players. Um, and I think that that has really given us a... I think that's the long-term perspective that we as Knicks fans need to have. And that's really the difference to me, and that's why I'm pretty positive. And I think when that happens, good things happen to you. And I think that's evidenced by, even though we dropped the fourth in the lottery, us being able to draft Porzingis. And now what you have with Porzingis is you have what looks like a franchise player for the next 10 to 15 years. Um, and we can get into Porzingis more, but I think that that's really what's given us even more hope. But I think that that was all created by Phil Jackson's uh, calm and him bringing in a sense of what our identity is going to be moving forward. And you kind of see it. The Knicks, you know, yeah, they kind of choked the loss to Philly. They almost lost to Philly a couple of minutes ago, a couple of hours ago. But, um, but Derek Fisher, you know, the team is able to stay composed in some cases. And I've seen them win a couple of close games that I don't think they would have won in prior years. It's because I think their identity is such, um, it's really changing. And, and so I think, you know, it gives me a lot of uh, cause for, you know, being positive in the years to come. So let me ask you this. I, I, I Every time I have uh, somebody who covers the Knicks or I ask it, uh, a random Knicks fan about Porzingis, we are in late January. We're, we, you know, we're a couple of weeks away from the All-Star game. And um, I want to ask you, because I, I, I want to see what the answers are every time. Yeah. Your thoughts on Porzingis the night he got drafted, 
and we yeah. <laughs> fast forward yeah. to where he's top five, six, seven in all-star voting and is up there for mm-hmm. rookie of the year award. So the night he got drafted to now, what were yeah. your what was your thoughts then and now on him? Well, yeah. Night, the night it happened, I was not one of the booing Knicks fans. I was not that little bratty kid who's being, you know, publicized all over the web now. He and his dad, obviously, trying to get themselves a lot of publicity. He got himself some front row seats for the Philly game this afternoon. So um, I wasn't one of those guys, and I don't think that I don't think that necessarily represents what the majority of the Knicks fan base felt on draft night. I think you could. A couple of weeks heading into that, those of us who, who watched the draft closely were watching tons of Draft Express videos of Porzingis, videos of him playing in the A C B Spanish League for Sevilla. And what we saw was a guy with an immense upside, um, a guy that didn't should look like he could rebound and defensively was able to block shots, but we didn't really see his lateral quickness. We, you know, So it was kind of just questionable, but at the same time, he had an upside that was probably more of an upside than you could say Moutier or Justice Winslow or Willie Cauley-Stein had. And I was in the boat where I wanted someone like a Winslow or a Cauley-Stein because I wanted the Knicks to focus on becoming a better team defensively. They were the uh, second-worst defensive team in the league last year. And so to me, I felt like, hey, if I would be happy with one of those guys, but if we drafted Porzingis, it would really be the move where Phil Jackson is making the high upside draft pick. And when you're in the top five in the draft, you should be picking a guy that's not going to be a strong starter rotation player. You don't want to really take the, the, the safe pick. You want to take the pick that's going to give you the most upside. So that, to me, was a real ballsy pick by Phil Jackson. Um, and I was like, look, we can win big on this, or Phil right. Jackson's going to be a complete disaster if this guy doesn't turn out. But I gave him props for that. And then when he was able to trade Tip Hardaway Jr. for that other first-round pick to draft Jerry Grant, and then moving to the second round to draft uh, Herman Gomez from Spain, I was just ecstatic with the type of draft that Phil Jackson and the front office was able to pull off. So then, we, you know, moving forward, we went to Vegas, and we got to watch Porzingis, his first um, summary game, go head-to-head against Okafor. And, I mean, the mobility, the, 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 the explosion, the agility that Porzingis showed in person was just out of this world to me. And that's the thing that really watching him live stood out to me. And then obviously in preseason, we all started making us believers. And and um, so, yeah, that's my long answer. But pretty much, yeah, that's the journey of Porzingis. I think nobody could, could envision him being seventh in all-star voting today. And, uh, you know, we got to give props to Phil for having the guts to make that pick. Yeah, you're right. I, you know, just like you and, and countless others and, Rare, rarely would you hear somebody say, "Oh, I, I knew from day one he was gonna do this and do that." I, I you know, it, it, it's whatever. But if someone like me and someone like you who's been a, uh, a fan of the Knicks for quite some time um, was like, one, who is he? Two, um, where can we see film and and highlights from on him to kind of you know, just to kind of get to a chance to know him? But mm-hmm. you fast forward to now and. The guy can shoot. The guy, I, we all know he has to get better, you know, strength-wise. But right. he, he's 20 years old. He's 7'3", um, can block shots, you know, rebound. And I think the development of him has been so quick, quicker than anybody else would have thought outside of, you know, the Knicks' upper management. And right, right now we're, they've won 20 games or 21 games after today. 
Um, they won 17 last year. We all knew they were going to win more than last year, but right. this kid is, is, is just special. And, and, and I think that's the main word, special, phenomenal, where, you know, Melo was, what, 31, 32, but you already have the future on that roster. It's not through a, a free agency or a trade. It's a guy you drafted, you scouted, you took time on to really find out what he can and cannot do. And everybody, I guess everybody was afraid that the draft pick was going to be a two, three, four-year process. When you get the, right. the, the fourth overall pick, you want somebody that's going to do work right now. And I think he's just shocking the league. He's shocking the world right now. And to be fifth, sixth, seventh in all-star voting, um, you know, that, that goes a long way. So um, my question to you is, are we – a year or are we two years away from where we can say Porzingis is going to be an all-star and then also continue to mm-hmm. be a perennial all-star? Yeah. I mean, I think he's in line to be a perennial all-star just due to the fan base in New York City being so large and the international fandom that he's obviously getting. I mean, he's set up an all-star voting already, and, you know, the guy hasn't played – you know, you could tell he, when he gets stronger in two years. I mean, I think he could be all into the All-Star game last year if he just improves the stats just a little bit and, and ends up averaging, say, 17 and 10 and two and a half blocks next year. I mean, he's at 14 and nine now. So, so it's or 14 and eight and a half. So with two blocks. So, I mean, if he gets that up to 17 and nine and the Knicks are, you know, back in being a, you know, plus 500 team next year, then you're going to see him really make that. Leap. I mean, what happens is that people are watching him play, and he brings a highlight every single night. Um, and not only that, but he's so well likable. I mean, the way he interacts with the media and with fans in the community, you could tell he's just, and that's another thing, like you said, that makes him special. And so he's going to be a well-liked player around the league. I mean, you have people across the board that marvel at his ability to do what he does. I think there was a stat where he's one of the, maybe the only rookie to average per 36 minutes, something like a three-point shot, two rebounds, ten you know, ten rebounds, and like eighteen plus points in the history of the NBA. Now that's pretty unbelievable. I mean, Dirk Nowitzki, not a noted rebounder or block, you know, a guy who can't shoot, um, a guy who can't block shots. So Porzingis has all that. And and if you're a guy that could do that in the biggest market in the NBA besides Los Angeles, I mean, you're going to have you you have the potential of being a perennial All Star. So. That's really what I think is the Knicks' biggest question here, heading into free agency with $20 million. It's, you know, do you build around Carmelo? Do you get that point guard that you need to, to be a consistent uh, playoff team the next couple of years? To me, that's what the Knicks need. Or do you, you know, just try to get a bunch of young players to build around Porzingis moving forward? Um, you know, maybe the Knicks could do both. It's going to be, you know, that's going to be really, really interesting. Cause, cause just imagine if the Knicks had a point guard like a Mike Conley or a guy who would break down a defense and get Porzingis easier points, uh, you know, at the rim uh, or kick out to open shots for Carmelo or Porzingis. I mean, that's only going to boost his level of play. So that's going to be where I think the Knicks are going to have to do a good job again and create to see this upcoming summer to develop him even further. Well, you mentioned the, the, the point guard situation. I think most fans on, on Knicks Twitter, social media have been saying that, you know, going forward, we don't see Jose Calderon as a guy that can, you know, take this team to a different level at the point guard position. And the one question is, well, 
who do you get? Who's out there? And then the two names that I always hear are, are Brandon Jennings and Mike Conley. Um, right. You can get Jennings via trade, but then you can also get him in the summertime when he's a free agent. The same thing for with uh, Mike Conley. Um, in your opinion, are you good with either one? Let's say the Knicks yeah. are really trying to get one of those guys and they do end up with, with Jennings or Conley. Are you good with, with either one of them or do you feel one of them more than the other can can be more beneficial to the team and the system that they got right now. Yeah, I think that Conley is the guy for me only because Jennings is coming off an Achilles tear, which is really hard to come off of. He's not a, a good defender, um, and you know I want to see what he's able to do for the rest of the season in the backup role in Detroit behind Randy Jackson. Uh, they need him in that role. They need a backup point guard. I think Steve Blake's or other one in. Cam Gundy is trying to make the playoffs in Detroit. So James is going to get his opportunity to play 20 to 25 minutes a game. If he's, if he's showing, if he shows the ability to be able to get to the basket to me, then yeah, that's someone on the cheap that is a backup option to me. But I think this is where the Knicks have to really, this is their major question. I mean, they have $20 million to spend. Uh, Mike Conley, because he, I think, is entering his eighth or ninth year in the league. His cap number, the contract that he'll be able to get in year one, is going to be $25.3 million a year. Now, it's a huge number because the cap is going up, so that's going to be his new max. And the question becomes, you know, the Knicks have 20, you stretch Jose Calderon to get you at $24 million, and then hope that either Derek Williams or Aaron Apollo opts out of their contract and you let them sign, which opens up another uh, $4 million in Williams' case or another $8 million in Apollo's case. And then you have the money to go after Conley. So if the Knicks do that, um, to me, Mike Conley, he's 28 years old. He's a guy obviously very low to Memphis and Marcus Gasol. Uh, but if he's available, um, that's a guy that could play defense at the point guard position. He's a gritty you know, player that's a solid three-point shooter, but a guy that, that can break down the defense. And at 28 years old, he's still you know, in his prime. He still probably has another three years in the league where he's going to be really good up to five years. And to me, that's the guy, the only point guard that is going to be really worth, <clears throat> you know, making that move. Because say you use all your cap space now this summer on, say, Brian Jennings at, say, 10 to $15 million a year, and you sign him straight up, that's going to be money that's going to be going toward the cap the year after. And to me, that's when, you know, you have, yeah, Chris Paul is going to be a free agent, Russell Westbrook is a free agent. And to me, I think Kevin Durant is also going to. I think Durant's going to re-sign with Oklahoma City this year for a one-year deal because that gives him the ability in 2017 to sign for even more money long-term with whichever team he chooses to play with. And to me, I think what Durant's going to want to do is he's going to want to be a free agent at the same time Russell Westbrook is because he doesn't want to commit to OKC long-term if he has a feeling Westbrook might want to go somewhere else the year after. So to me, it, it's Conley or bust to me. It, it, if, you know, if you can't get Conley, I think you just, you know, re-sign your guys, you know, tr- try to, you know, re-sign Galloway, keep Anthony Thomas in here. Don't hit your cap figure too much moving forward so that you're in a position to make that big move in 2017 to go after that big fish. Because if Porzingis keeps on growing at the rate that he's going, He's going to be 22 years old in two years, and you're going to have a lot of people that are going to be very intrigued with playing with a Chris S. Porzingis in New York City. I, I really believe that. And if Carmelo Anthony, to me, he's changing his game where he's becoming more, more of a 
Paul Pierce type player in his latter years with Boston. You know, a guy who's going to make big shots for you, but he's not going to put a 30, but he'll play an all-around game. And I think Carmelo is kind of changing into that type of player this year, a leader. So, I don't know. That That's my perspective on the whole thing. Um, so, Conley can do wonders for the Knicks. He's, he would be a tremendous upgrade. Um, but if you can't get him, I wouldn't want to spend extra money on, on Brandon Jennings or, a, a, to me, a, a C-level point guard just to have someone. So, what's your take on Phil Jackson and the uh... – the moves he's been able to pull off. I know last summer we we tried to get some guys in here, you know, Greg Monroe, Lamarcus Aldridge, um, so on and so forth. We did not get those guys, but we did end up with Robin Lopez and the Aaron Flalos. We drafted Porzingis, uh, Jerry and Grant. They signed Lance Thomas and um, you know keeping Galloway. So I know the names may not be you know all that big to to everybody uh, across the the NBA landscape, but um, what's your take on the the um, the jobs that these players have been able to do, and uh, the amount of playing time they've been getting, and the 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 overall impact that everybody that that Phil Jackson brought in? Uh, what's your take on that? Well, I mean, I've been definitely one of the Phil Jackson optimists. I I think that what he did was smart. Of course, you have to try to get the meeting with the Marcus Aldridge, the DeAndre Jordan. To me, I was never a fan of Greg Monroe, kind of an odd fit. I thought defensively he was going to make the team worse. And we needed to get players that could play defense, and that's why I was so high on Robin Lopez. And I think when the Knicks were on this winning streak recently, you were able to see Lopez score between 10 to 14 points a game at the post. He played more minutes, and therefore he played more defense. I think he was a little banged up to start the season. He was playing pretty sparingly. Uh, he didn't play well necessarily against Philly today, but I think he's been playing better, and it's a big reason for the Knicks' resurgence. And he helps block out so that Porzingis can rebound more. Carmelo almost having eight rebounds a game. He did the same thing for Audrey's game in Portland. So for me, Lopez was a guy that I wanted at center. I was um, really excited. <laughs> People you know, laugh at me, but I, was like, I thought he's a guy that's going to stabilize the defense. The Knicks were the 29th worst defense in the NBA last year. Now they've moved up to the 18th in defense. And more importantly, Portland was a top-five offense, a lot because Robin Lopez in high-pick-and-roll situations created a lot of space. And now you have the Knicks, who were also 29th in offense last year. We're now 13th in offensive efficiency, efficiency in the NBA. That's a huge jump. And Robin Lopez is one of those guys that down low, you know, he does little things to create easy shots and second-chance opportunities. Um, and he's always been a plus-50% shooter from the field. Uh, so I think he's just a great signing because at the end of the day, yeah, it's fourteen million dollars, but with the cap, it's going to be ninety million next year, and the year after that, one hundred and five million. I mean, he's only going to be you know about ten to twenty percent of your your cap space for a starting center. So I think he protects Porzingis and allows Porzingis to kind of be that secondary defender and block shot blocker. So I think it's a great fit. A follow at eight million dollars to me. Um, I don't think he's as good a defender as he used to be, but he's a guy that shoots over 60% in the post. He grew up watching Kobe Bryant in L.A., studied the triangle offense, but you could tell. I mean, if you get, if you get the ball to him in the mid-range, backing down, Alfabo's been pretty clutch. He was clutch earlier against Philly and in other games down the stretch. And he's a guy that Carmelo Anthony trusts. So for me to get him for $8 million, when you have Damari Carroll and Wesley Matthews coming off an Achilles tear, making $15-plus million a year, 
And he's half of that money is going to a follow on a deal that's not going to kill you long term. To me, a follow is a New York type player, calm, cool, collected. Uh, it doesn't make the stress doesn't really get to him. So I like him for that fit in New York. I thought it was a great signing because we definitely needed an upgraded shooting guard. And then Derek Williams has been this guy, you know, four and a half million dollars this year. I think he's going to make four point nine million next year, a player option. Derek Williams is third in player. Um, PER, which is efficiency, player efficiency on the Knicks. When he gets out there, he scores. He gets to the line. He's eighth in minutes on the Knicks, but has the second most free throw attempts on the team. So he really solidifies that, that bench unit in terms of getting someone that can get out there, that can attack the rim, that can make athletic, energetic plays and get to the free throw line. And I think that that has been a huge, huge change the Knicks had nobody to play that role last year at all, and the kid is only 24 years old. Um, so I think he's probably going to opt out, try to get a long-term deal in free agency this summer. And if he does that, and the Knicks stretch called their own, then the Knicks will have about $27 million to go after Conley if they need to. Um, I would, but if they lose out to me, I would like to just move forward and keep this unit because you know, at 24 years old, maybe Derek Williams can become at least a good sixth or seventh man off the bench for you. As you mentioned, Lance Thomas, $1.6 million for him. I think that's a value. He's been a great defender. He could pretty much guard one through five when needed. Made a boneheaded play earlier on, a, on that three-point shot um, on Thompson. But overall, the guy has been one of the best values in the league, shooting over 40% from three, nearly 90% from the line, and nearly 50% from the field. Uh, Derek Fisher loves them, and I think that that's another guy that the Knicks need to keep to, to continue to improve defensively moving forward. So Phil Jackson, I think, did a, a masterful job. More importantly, guys that believe in the system, guys that are high IQ, high-character guys that want to play in New York City and play with Carmelo, and um, I think that that's where you see the Knicks. They're, they're pretty positive. They're a team that they get along well. And uh, the only deal that I was kind of iffy about was the Seraphim deal. Thankfully, only a one-year deal at 2.8 mil, so he won't be on the squad next year. And O'Quinn, you know what? He's still really young, and it's only $4.5 million every year for the next four years, which is a very small number moving forward. So I thought it was a really good offseason for Phil Jackson. Something that has been going on recently that hasn't been happening in the NBA for quite some time is it looks like the Eastern Conference is uh, a bit more competitive than, than the Western Conference nowadays. And, you know, you look at the the, the, the standings in the East, and you look from 1 through 11 down, all double-digit double, double digit wins and very competitive from maybe 6th all the way to 11. The Knicks are in that 9, 10, 11 range. They've won 21 mm-hmm. games, 17 last year. Um it could go down to the wire where you might have to win 39, 40, 41 games to get the, the, the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. Are the Knicks capable of getting to 40 wins, 41 wins? Um, and if not, what number do you have of how many games they'll win this year and do they make the playoffs? Yeah. It's, well, you know, it really it's tough. I've been on, on our podcast. We did a show before the season began where, Two out of the five of us have the Knicks going to the playoffs. I, I actually believe that the Knicks are going to go to the playoffs this year. I have them at, I think, about 40 wins. Um, and a lot of the other guys have them somewhere between 30 to 37, 38 wins. 
Um, we all pretty much expected the Eastern Conference to be the same type of conference as usual as before, um, and it, it's been even better. And that's what's scary is that I think that the first the top six teams are pretty locked in there, and then you're going to have this combination of Boston, Detroit, Washington now playing well again, um, and New York and Charlotte still hanging around. They just had a double overtime win over Utah at home. They're going to, you know, so it, those five teams are going to be vying for the seven and the eight seed. Uh, and it's going to be it's going to be tough, and that's why every game matters. Uh, the Brooklyn loss to me last week with Mellow out was was huge um, because the Knicks should have that's a game they should have won after the way they've been playing, beating Atlanta twice, beating the Bulls, you know, losing to the Spurs by one. So um, I think that it's really tough to say moving forward, only because the Eastern Conference has improved so much. But the Knicks to me have been they played their toughest stretch of the schedule already. Yeah, they have to go out to the West Coast again. But, you know, you're 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 playing a Denver team, you're playing a, a you know, a, a team like um the Lakers. I mean these are guys that aren't necessarily playing the best basketball. So I think the Knicks have an opportunity because they've played, you know, the Bulls already so many times. They played the, the Spurs twice. They played the Cavaliers three times. Um so I think they have an opportunity to continue to be where they need to be. To me, if the Knicks miss out of the playoffs and they end up winning somewhere between 38 and 42 wins, that's a, a good season, simply because it puts the Knicks back into that conversation for becoming a free agent destination. Right. You have that ability to say, hey, man, we went from 17 to 35-plus. I mean, that's a double win improvement, and then you have players that are going to be very interested in joining a 20-year-old Kristaps Porzingis for the next five years. And that's the craziest part. KP is still about four or five years away from the beginning of his prime. So um, that's what's uh, most exciting. So to me, uh, you know, I, it's too hard to, to, to say if they're going to be there, but they beat the Celtics already. They beat the Pistons. They should have beat the Hornets twice already. All the teams that they are up against, they've beaten, and they've beaten playoff teams already. So the, to me, they deserve to be in that conversation, no doubt. When you look at the whole Rookie of the Year landscape, I think two stand out, Porzingis and, and Towns. I know Okafor, you know, puts up numbers, but the record may not, you know, reflect all that. So there's been times where a rookie might have the bigger numbers, but his record is worse than second-place guy. So right now, out of all the rookies who, you know, gets enough playing time and has a, a big-time impact, Porzingis has the best record. So, um, Towns is doing work, same as Okafor, but if you had to go with somebody and, you know, try to keep the, the Knicks bias out the way for a bit, um, who do you think will end up being the rookie of the year? Uh, Porzingis and Okafor or, or Carl Anthony Towns? Yeah, I think uh, Okafor, I mean, with Philly, they're, they're improved, no doubt, with Ishmith, and I think. I mean, offensively, he's going to have the best numbers, but I think when it comes to it, they're going to have which team improves the most um, and who has the best numbers. So to me, if you look at it, I think Towns has, he's averaging maybe a point, maybe point and a half more than KP and maybe a rebound more than Porzingis. So the numbers are about the same. And if Minnesota continues to be a, you know, a bottom um, team in the, in the West, what you're going to look again is you're going to see that while Porzingis came to a team that was a 17-win team, and now they're a 35, 
or a 30 to well, a 40 win team. I mean, that's a double improvement. And I think voters are going to look at that and say, he's a player that helped the team become better. So the numbers might be very, very close, but the team is better, and he has the upside that Towns, to me, believe me, Towns would be exceptional, a great player. But, again, that stat, a guy, Porzingis is a guy that not only gets you the points, the rebounds, and the block shot, but he's also a three-point shooter. And in today's NBA, that is revolutionary because I think eventually Porzingis is going to be poised to become a, a, a center in the league due to his height. And if you have a center that can shoot over 35%, he's already at about 34%. Like, you know, if you could shoot over 35%, that's going to be a revolutionary, um, you know, player moving forward. So now real quick, um, I know a lot of fans have been critical of Derek Fisher in the first year. Like I said, they only won 17 games, but the roster was a lot different. Melo uh, got hurt and he, he missed the entire season after the All-Star game. Um, they, they, did, they did not have the talent last year that they do this year. So mm-hmm. they're on pace for you know, high 35, 40 wins. Um, so what's your take on Derek Fisher in year two coaching-wise? Do you mm. think he's changed anything? Has he uh, adapted to anything? And do you feel he's the right coach for this team going forward? Yeah, I mean, if you asked me this question before the new year, I would have been very, 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 very um, on the fence. And I think he's made – Vast improvements. I think he was experimenting the first part of the season, playing a lot of guys, obviously, overplaying people, and the Knicks suffer for that. There's no doubt to me that they, they suffered by playing Tasha Bleach's extended minutes. And then when the Knicks started going to nine players deep, once the new year came, you saw the Knicks become a different team. And uh, that's, I think, what Fisher's going to need to continue to do. And I think he's really following the lead of Phil Jackson, which is, I'm going to play some... If someone is always continuing to put in hard work and practice, you're going to play maybe once every seven or eight games, which is what I think he did with Sasha today, which um, he played him a little bit too long, um, maybe like 10 minutes too long. Anyway, the bottom line is that he did that, I think, to keep everybody ready and, and to kind of reward them for the team-first attitude. And luckily the Knicks are able to win. But still, I think Fisher has learned. I think he's improved. I don't see how you can necessarily knock a coach for doing what the Knicks have done. I mean, uh, Jared Dubin is a pretty good uh, writer. He came up with a stat for the season start that of the 55 teams to win between 14 to 20 games, only five of them uh, were able to win 40 games for next year. Uh, the Knicks are on pace to be about 40. You know, at the, at the half season mark, they have 20 wins. So they, that's the only 10% of teams that, you know, that want 14 to 20 have improved to 40 wins the next season. So if the Knicks are able to do that, you have to give props to Derek Fisher for this, you know, this, this, this upgrade. And I think that he's become a better coach defensively. As I said, mark improvement in terms of efficiency. When you go from 29th to 13th in offense and 29th to 18th in defense, that's a pretty big jump. And uh, I just hope that he continues to play the rotation. To me, that means playing Jeremy Grant or Jeremy Grant, Jerry and Grant more often. Um, the game he had against Boston at the Garden earlier last week was just exceptional. He's a rookie, though. You know, he didn't have flashes. But you got to stick with him. you got to keep his confidence up. Uh, Derek Williams obviously gaining confidence. You have to play a certain nine-player uh, rotation, and I think the Knicks 
I think maybe Fisher's learned from that um, earlier today, and hopefully he does that for the Knicks to be successful moving forward. I got two more uh, for you, Sean, before I let you go. Um, again, Sean Aquino, the co-host of the Knicks at Night podcast, joining us. He's on Twitter at S-A-Q-U-I-N-O 34. Um, I can't believe I went over 30 minutes without asking you one question about uh, Carmelo Anthony. Um, <laughs> uh, that's all right. Um, recently, I, his game has changed. You know, he's, he's doing more defensively. He's... Um, He's just being a more a, a, a more all around guy on the floor. Um, had a triple double or was close to getting some triple doubles earlier. Um, more vocal, more leadership. Just being that that big brother role to 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 Porzingis and and kind of shutting out all the the notion that they don't get along or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So um, to me, that 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 that's pretty good to 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 show that. Um, overall, this year. With everything I just said about Melo and his play, um, what's your take on the, I, I guess, the the reinvention of the Carmelo Anthony? Right. Well, I think that this is a season where his assist percentage, his rebounding percentage is the career best. And that tells you right there that Carmelo's been leading on the floor and being less selfish and uh, giving it up. And he's got a lot of confidence in his teammates this year. And Again, I think Robin Lopez playing more minutes allows him to get his rebounding numbers up. He's putting in definitely more effort on the boards and defensively, and you hear the Knicks saying it all the time now. You know, the more um, that Carmelo Anthony shows out on the floor, it makes the, their teammates want to play better, play better defense, rebound, and hustle. And you saw Carmelo doing that when the Knicks were winning um, last week. And I think today, I mean, his ankle was bothered. He had a bad shooting night. He looked pretty rusty. But defensively, in that overtime, he he did a couple. He made a, he made a nice block shot on his Smith, and and you know, he's he's coming from the right perspective, and he's definitely playing a big brother role for KP, and that's all the difference in the world right there, and that's giving Porzingis the confidence. You could see the chemistry they had in that first half against uh, um, Boston, in that third quarter against Milwaukee. I mean, you saw the way the Knicks were. You know, clicking and that clicking came around Porzingis and Carmelo being unguardable. You know, they they really are unguardable when they play unselfish. Right. When the team is moving and they're playing the system, and then they're throwing in some high pick and roll. I mean, how if you have a pick and roll coming at you with Carmelo and Porzingis or Grant and Porzingis up top? Like, how do you guard that? And that's what's you know the Knicks are going to be able to move. Um, you know, that's what makes I think the future so bright. Uh, moving forward, I mean, if you got Melo doing what he does, and you got Porzingis making deep three point shots and doing Akeem Olajuwon like moves at, at seven three, um, yeah, that, that that's pretty hard to 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 guard. And everybody says Kevin Durant at his height and his ability to shoot the ball from long range is unguardable. Same thing with Dirk Nowitzki, and now Porzingis is taller than both of them. Um, the yeah. range could be the same or just a little bit uh, longer range, but yeah. like I said, the kid is the kid is only twenty years old, and the, the upside is just crazy phenomenal. That yeah, you know, he's doing this now. Yeah. Just imagine when he's twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, twenty five years old, and he can be that unguardable star that finally you finally get somebody that says, you know what, he plays for the New York Knicks and not for the Bulls or the or, or the Heat or the Thunder. So finally, we get. I guess a homegrown draft pick that will 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 remain with the Knicks for for quite some time, 
and yeah, you know stuff like that. So um, I definitely like what I see from the team. It is like a a, a breath of fresh air knowing that. Everything is going well. The draft picks, the selections, um, who they're picking up in free agency, not spending a lot of money, um, depending on who that free agent person is. So I guess my final question to you is, you being a Knicks fan and the same thing for me, um, how do you feel about the future, the upcoming future of this team? Yeah, and the future is bright because Porzingis is here. I mean, because you have Phil Jackson and you have a young coach, Derek Fisher, who obviously has gotten better in coaching. So your coaching has gotten a young staff. They've improved. Um, and you have, a, you have a player that's a franchise player. I mean, today's NBA, you need to be able to spread the floor. You have Porzingis who can spread the floor and make moves in the post like the dream shape, like you mentioned. I mean, that is just cause for, you know, extreme, um, you know, uh, optimism moving moving forward. I mean, there's just no way. Just the the health is an issue, in, in the sense of you know we just as always keep our fingers crossed and pray that Porzingis stays healthy. But you know, Phil drafted Jerry and Grant knowing that a penetrating guard in today's NBA is needed, and I think he's going to get better. He needs to develop a shot. But I think when 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 to me in two or three years, what you could have if you have a penetrating point guard is you could stretch the floor out. And you could have Carmelo on the weak side just become the type of player that he was in Team USA, where he was just a guy that was a catch-and-shoot, um, you know, lockdown shooter. He's the same thing he was when the Knicks won 54 games. I mean, right now Carmelo's shooting pretty badly. I mean, he's shooting about 33% three, um, and he's been shooting plus 37% for like the last three years. So if he gets that percentage back up, I mean, that's even deadlier. And Carmelo, moving forward, has that ability to be that type of shooter you have Paul Pierce type is how I see his game morphing, and you let the young kids around Porzingis be the heart of the offense, and let Carmelo be that killer that you just cannot leave open. And um, I think that's going to be the recipe for the Knicks. Um, just keep make sure they don't overplay Carmelo and keep him healthy, uh, so that he can play out the, the next three years of his contract, and just build smartly around uh, Porzingis. And, and I think that that's what they're going to make the Knicks, you know, fifty plus one team. Uh, next season, if they could do that well. Hey man, real quick, uh, you said you're in LA right now, right? Yes. So yes, how sir. do you, how do you feel about the Rams coming back to LA, man? Oh well, I mean it's, it's fun. Uh, you know, growing up in LA, the Rams were around, and you know everybody had Rams or Raider uh, jerseys as a kid. Right. Um, but football was what's one of those things where everybody around here has a team. So it's kind of interesting. You know, I have friends who are, you know, 49ers fans. And, I mean, I don't have any friends that are Rams fans. So so it's going to be like, what's going to happen when they come out? I'm sure people are excited. There's no doubt. But it's funny because you have people say, oh, I'm excited because my team is coming. Right, right. Um, you know, <laughs> but I think that in a couple of years, you'll, you'll have people change again. But, I mean, just the short time ago, the team left. So, you know, that that's it's going to be interesting to see what happens in L.A. with the fandom. So who are you a fan of in football? Who you got this weekend? Uh, who we got? The Patriots and the Broncos and yeah. the Panthers and the, the Cardinals. Who you got? Yeah, I think, I guess, I thought Seattle was going to be Carolina, but I'm going to pick Carolina. And I'm going to pick, um, I, I hate to say, New England. Um, you know, I think that... 
they're just too good. But it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Peyton Manning, I don't know, shocked the world. I mean, he's a guy has to retire sometime. So it'll be, you know, a couple of games with some high drama. Arizona high octane offense, but Carolina's defense and Cap Newton, you know, he's a special player. So it's going to be a good weekend of football. But at the end of the day, I think it'll be Carolina and New England with uh, New England taking it. Yeah, I, I think everybody has the Patriots and, and, and Carolina. Uh, I mean, I think New England, regardless, I, I just don't see Denver beating them. I know I know they're in Denver with the home field advantage, but, right. you know, Tom Brady and, and Gronk are just too good. And, and, and plus, they're the defending champions, so you can't count them out. And I think it's Carolina's year, but would I mind yeah. seeing Arizona? Definitely not. I think Arizona is, is a great team. They, they barely won that game against the Packers. Um, so, I mean, no matter what, it'll be very interesting to see who's in Super Bowl 50. But, Sean, always great yeah. talking to you, man. Again, Sean Aquino, the host of the Knicks at Night podcast. You can uh, look it up on iTunes and download and subscribe to his podcast, Talking New York Nick Basketball. Sean, thank you again, my man. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks so much, Randy. Have a good night. All right, man. You too.